the optimal life. Fred Joyo, how are you, sir? Fantastic. How are you doing, Nate, today? I am doing great, thank you. Um, has anybody ever told you this is this is interesting to me because I was looking at pictures of you. Now I get a chance to see you face to face. Do you know who Damian Lewis is? Yeah, uh, from uh, Billions. There you go. And all, all the way him. back to, uh, you know, uh, Band of Brothers. So You look just, you, you, you have a striking resemblance to Damian Lewis, I have to tell you. Well, thank you. I, I, maybe they'll cast me as uh, his body double somewhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you could be as successful as he is in the show in real life, I think you'll be doing okay. Yeah, so, I would think so. Yeah. So you've got a bunch of books behind you. What's your favorite book in that entire collection behind you? Um, you know, in, ter in terms of business books, uh, there's, there's, uh, and I, I don't, I call it a business book because it's a, but it's really a personal growth book. It's uh, Man's Search for Meaning, um, which basically was written by an Auschwitz survivor and just, the, the fact that he could go through all of that and uh, come away with a, an optimistic and positive and powerful sense of, of how to live your life. Uh, you start to put everything in perspective. Um, and, uh, but then, you know, there's, uh, I think Ray Dalio's principles in terms of the most recent book, uh, really, really valuable stuff uh, from how to run a business to how to think about money to how to think about people how do you how you interact with employees and uh he's he's created a great very successful business for himself with mountains of mistakes along the way and he really talks about how all these principles developed from uh thinking there's one way to do stuff and then doing it and finding out that's not how it's not working the way he wanted it to work so um but yeah i could we could we could go through my bookcase for an hour and a half in terms of talk to what, what uh, inspires me, but I, I read probably 20 or 30 business books a year. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And, and how, how many books have you written? I have written two for the dental industry marketing books. And my latest book is a personal growth book for the general public. Super bold. Uh, just came out and that's, you know, that's me venturing beyond my industry into trying to teach the, the lessons I've learned, everything I wish I knew at 20 years old about confidence and boldness and how you develop it. And you, you come from a, a background where you used to be much, much opposite from what you would consider bold, correct? I mean, you were a shy, introverted person growing up. Yeah, I, I was the, the classic uh, fearful person, hesitant, missing opportunities left and right. Uh, couldn't ask a girl on a date. Uh, couldn't really even make a phone call. I, I mean, I was painfully shy uh, and it was very frustrating. And, but the, the missed opportunities forced me to do something about it. And I figured out very gradually by watching bold people that I thought these people must be born this way. Why are they like this? Why don't they experience rejection like I do, right? Why, why are they trying everything? Why are they meeting people and, and not worrying about what happens? And uh, 
finally started uh, adapting their behavior, even though it made me really uncomfortable to do it. And gradually, I just got comfortable doing it. Now I can, you know, I can walk on a stage of 5,000 people and I can't wait to get out there. Right. So I, well, I wonder, what do you think caused that? When you look back, was it, do you think that you were born that way? Do you think there was something more uh, nature versus nurture, your surroundings, your environment? What, how do you, what do you attribute to all that? I, I think there's a certain amount of nature to it, but there's a lot more nurture to it that makes us hesitant and shy. And it could be any, anything from parents with a, just like a, a misanthropic view of the world. Like you got to watch out for everybody. Don't talk to strangers. Like, uh, or in my case, my mother was a very bold person. And so she was always pushing me and it was more than I, it was, I, I wasn't comfortable yet. So she was always pushing me too far into my discomfort zone and it was paralyzing. And mm. so I, it became, you know, you develop this mindset of like, oh, I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to be humiliated. I'm going to be rejected. You, you, you get really good at playing those tapes for yourself. It's almost like you need, uh, to, you need to be transitioned. You have to be slowly transitioned when you have a personality type, maybe like yourself into those situations instead of just getting thrown into the fire because it sounds like you were getting pushed and thrown into the fire by your mother and that was actually having the reverse effect it was not making you more comfortable it was making you less comfortable because you're building up the demons and the what ifs and i'm going to fail and i'm going to be embarrassed etc right because we all have this this what we have as our psychological fears and what happens is our body reacts to psychological danger and physical danger in exactly the same way it squirts the same chemicals into our body of you know the fight or flight and it's it's fight flight or frozen you know the shy person picks frozen right, right. Uh, we, we 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 get tongue-tied we 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 don't step up we don't speak up we we'll we'll literally you know, my nephew is like this right now at 14. I'm watching him and his dad is one of these people that walk in a room. He'll know everybody and they'll know him by the time he leaves. And this this kid is not that way. And I think because his dad is so much that way, he's like, I, I don't know how to get there because I feel anxious. I feel uncomfortable. So I'm I'm saying we got to control the dosage of this experience for this for this young man so that he is comfortable. Because that's where I look at I look at him and I go, oh my God, he's me at fourteen. He's me at eighteen, right? So, wow. um, yeah, and I think um, there's something to it, especially when it's a parent, a father figure, and you're a son, yeah. and your father is so uh, charismatic and, and can control a room and 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 overpowers almost sometimes maybe completely overpowering, not not doing it intentionally necessarily, but just naturally doing it, and I think somebody like your, your nephew in that situation, um, seeing his dad like that, sometimes you just, you go the complete opposite. Cause Hey, no matter what I say, nobody's going to care. My dad's going to take control. He's going to run this room and I'm just going to sit here and follow yeah. his lead. So it's easy to shell up and, and just kind of maybe even, even subconsciously just go a different direction. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I, I think that's what it is. It's intimidating. Uh, it's cause intimidating. you don't see it's, it's, it's 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 the same thing almost as having a really successful father uh, in business, somebody who's who's just really killing it uh, in in the business world. Uh, and you're you're going, how do I I can't get there? I don't I don't see the pathway from 
here as a 16 year old guy, as a B student in high school or whatever, how I'm never going to be able to measure up to my dad. Yeah, a little bit of imposter syndrome going on and 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 the the shadow of, of the parent uh, that's, you know, but your dad has has developed a level of charisma because he just exudes that confidence. That's really all charisma is, is that you feel comfortable everywhere. You feel like you belong everywhere and, and it, it commands attention. We are drawn as human beings to that personality type. Uh, and so, but it's, but you can develop it. That's what I learned because I was not that guy. And now people will say to me, you know, they started telling me, but you're very charismatic. And I'm like, are you talking about me? You know, <laughs> but, but I, I realize I'm, I'm at, you know, when I bring my full self into the conversation or into the room or in, onto the stage, I, that's what I've developed. Um, and I thought, I learned this. I was not this. I was, I started from like a really low place and b- b- very gradually over decades did it. Um, but I want to help people do it much more quickly and develop this life skill because boldness is a superpower. It's, it's how you make stuff happen, how successful pe- people make stuff happen. They take risks, they make bold moves, they, they calculate the odds, but they act and, and they deal with whatever happens. They, they take failure as, as a stairway upward rather than a, a, you know, a stone wall to run into. So you, do, you are helping people do that, and it took you years and years and years, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, but you are able to help people in a much shorter time period, uh, according, yeah. to your, according to your roadmap. Your roadmap is 90 days. Take us through. How, how can somebody go from being shy and underconfident to uh, more bold and charismatic in such a short period of time? Um, by doing exercises uh, on a daily basis that start very simply, and he, some of them are even nonverbal, and just building up your boldness muscle on a steady, steady basis and rewarding yourself for it because you are controlling the intensity of the experience and you're going, oh, wow, nothing bad happened. This is what bold people know, is that 99% of the time, nothing bad happens, uh, and except unless you label it as that. They choose not to be embarrassed. They choose not to be in, in, uh, humiliated or worry about people laughing at them. They, they choose to reject rejection. They, they go like, that's got nothing to do with me. You know, what they think about me is none of my business is one of the great things that bold people seem to do. And so what I want people to do is just take themselves through these exercises on a daily basis and feel themselves strengthening. And then they just up the ante until they realize they can really put themselves out there. And it, even though they're uncomfortable, they're actually being rewarded. And it'll actually, in 90 days, you'll build new neural pathways that eventually will make behaving in a bold and confident way your default mode, whereas now your default mode is is hesitant and shy in some situations, a lot of times when it matters most. I tell people, you're not shy, you're behaving in a shy way in certain situations. It's a big difference. You're not genetically shy, right? That you're genetically tall or short 
uh, or male or female or whatever, but you're you're not genetically underconfident. That's a thing you can unlearn. It's fascinating stuff. I like what you said. Bold people have the mindset and mentality that whatever other people think of me is none of my business. That that resonates. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, it's very powerful. One of the things I talk about in the book to lay the groundwork of doing the exercises is you need the insight that people are not thinking about you anywhere near as much as you think they are. Yeah, that's They're so thinking true. about themselves. Yes, right? yes. And, and we get, you know, I, I talk to people and they go, oh, well, people are going to laugh. And I say, what people? <laughs> Who are they? Do you know them? Do they know you? Why do you care? Um, and so actually in the book, one of the exercises I have people do is rank all the people you know and how important their opinion should be to you, right? And, and, I, and who, on a scale of one to 10. And I say, and I would ask you the same question. And, and uh, let me ask you. Uh, how many people in your life do you think their opinion matters at like a nine or a 10 level to you? Um, I would probably say about five to 10 people. Yeah. Uh, out of how many people that you know? Exactly. Hundreds and thousands, possibly. Right. <laughs> right. Right. At this point, there, there, there are hundreds of thousands of people actually that know who you are and, and hundreds that know you and probably several dozen that know you personally. Right. But if it, all of a sudden they drop from a nine or a 10, right, it should be maybe your parents, maybe your business partner, maybe your, your life partner and maybe your mentor or a couple of mentors. After that, people should be dropping down to two, to three, to zero, right? And what we do is we, we've taken what shy people, and I did, is every, everybody's, like I worry about everybody's opinion. What, what a complete stranger is thinking about me, which is based on nothing, right? Based on my haircut, right? <laughs> you know, or, or the jacket I was wearing that day. I mean, we, we do this as humans. We, we create an entire personality from a, a, a snapshot of, of who they are. And, and we're wrong and about we, we, we make ourselves seem like we're, we, we think that we're so important. And I'm trying to make <laughs> this almost, you, you know what I mean? Like somewhat sarcastic, but we think we're so important. Meanwhile, everyone out, no one's thinking about us. Like the way we've, we've built this thing up, like you just said. Yeah. And it's caught, it almost is like when you were younger and it causes you to, when you're getting thrown into that fire and you're not ready and that thing with your mother and it's having a reverse effect on you because you're becoming more sheltered up and, and, and nervous and you're anxious and you're creating these situations that ultimately never even happen. It's the same thing here. You're creating this thing that, that, it, that you think these people are, are spending their every last minute and hour of the day thinking about you. And meanwhile, they haven't thought about you once. No. And, and let's, let's talk about how it gets exaggerated by social media, because now social media is every post, everybody posting the best moments of their week or year. And you're sitting there going, wow, I'm just not that interesting. Guess what? Neither are they. Right? You're just, they just not showing you the rest of the stuff. Right. So, so, so we, we, yeah, we get insecure and I, you know, I, it grieves me so much to see how much this affects 
teenagers because we, we were so susceptible at that age to what everybody thought of us. Who are the cool kids? What are, who's laughing at me? Who's staring at me? Who's, you know, that's where it starts. We were, we were in this hormonal change and we're thinking everybody's noticing everything about us. Oh my God, I have, I have a pimple. Everybody's going to see it. <laughs> yeah, they're going to see it, but they're not going to think about it all day, right? They're going to think about it for a split second. And you know what? Three days later, the pimple's gone. And they're not going to go, hey, your pimple's gone because they haven't thought about it, right? And it's like, we do our we, we do that with everything um and why, it's, why, it's why is that I mean, what, what do you think is the the psyche behind this you've been studying this superpower that you boldness that you call a superpower for a long time and, and you've been reading books like you said 20 30 books a year what, what do you think's causing this type of mindset and, and behavior in just human beings in general okay well deep in our primal programming is the need to fit in Right, because human beings evolved as as the dominant uh, species because of our ability to work together as a tribe, um, and you know, not just you know, like a, a a lion pack or something, which can be two, three, four, w w hundreds of people functioning together until eventually it's millions of people functioning together. But that at that time when we had our tribe, you had to fit into that tribe because if you were kicked out of the tribe if you were ostracized from the tribe you died right <laughs> you you were going to starve to death or be eaten um uh and so it be it became very deep in our primal programming to not stand out you know they in australia they call it the tall poppy syndrome right they'll actually if somebody starts to rise above everybody else they'll start cutting them down Mm. Um, but I, but, and that's what happens. There's a certain percentage of, of people that will actively cut you down as you rise above. Oh, you're a show off. You're, you're an attention whore. You're this, you're that bold people don't care that that's what you think there, that, that opinion is none of their business, right? That's the way they look at it. It's like, you can feel that about me, but I'm not going to let that affect me chasing my dreams, pursuing happiness, pursuing a fulfilling life. And that's, that's my goal is I want people to, to bring their fullest self into every situation, especially when it really matters, when it's really important, like they're trying to get a raise or they're trying to get a promotion or, or they're trying to meet the, the, the man or woman of their dreams. I want them to be able to bring that. I want them to live the fullest life possible. I don't want them to play it safe. Uh, who, who the heck wants their tombstone to say, I played it as safe as possible every day, you know? It, you, you want people to live their life, like become the man in the arena. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, the Teddy Roosevelt quote. Absolutely. Become the man in the arena. And that's the thing. Everybody's a critic, right? It's so easy yeah. to be the, the critic and not step into the arena. And you want the people, you're basically saying, get out and step in the arena. There's going to be critics no matter what. That's not going to change your life. You're still here, whether they like you or hate you or doubt you or support you. Who cares is what you're saying. Keep going. Yeah. I mean, if, if you can learn to just discard the critics opinions, I mean, and that's so much what that quote is about. It's like uh, the only person that whose opinion matters to me is somebody else who's swinging in the, in the arena trying to trying to make a difference trying to have the most impact trying to have 
the best life, whether it's trying to be the best parent or the best boss or the best spouse or solve big problems, you know, whether it, you know, as big as climate change or, or something like that, or the energy crisis or, or homelessness. I, I want people to, to dive into that stuff because we got big problems. We need people bold enough to try to solve those problems. We need a million Gandhis and Martin Luther Kings and, and Elon Musk's out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Not everyone's going to be able to become Gandhi and Elon Musk, of course, in terms of, you know, potential success in terms of financial or um, in society being known like that. But what you're saying is, is you, you got to put your you got to be you got to be that in order to have the most potential to live a successful life. You've got to you've got to you've got to, um, you know, support and and dig into that boldness as uncomfortable as it is because the ones that are reserved and shy and timid while there are outliers, a lot of those people, as you've seen, end up missing opportunity. Yeah. Is that correct? And, and yeah. And, and sometimes they are life-changing opportunities. I mean, the, the other thing is you can reflect on moments in your life when you were bold. I mean, maybe you're mostly shy, but you somehow met, uh, the, the partner of your dreams. Cause that at one moment you went like, I got to meet her. I got to meet him. I, and I'm, and I'm, I'm going to bring my best self into that encounter. Uh, and, and that, and it, it, you got to reflect on that and go like, think about how much better your life was. Cause for one brief shiny moment, you were bold. Right. right. And, but, and that, but that's exhausting. That's exhausting Fred for those people that, cause that muscle yeah. hasn't been, that hasn't muscle hasn't been, exercise like you said yeah and that and that experience uh, while they were able to put themselves out there and become bold and they went for the guy and they went for the girl and they actually made it work because they 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 did it they finally did it it's so exhausting to those people that they just come flying back down right and, it, yeah. and it's like and it's because they're not exercising that muscle so that it's not yeah. so exhausting the next time and that's and that's really the idea of the exercises is you're doing them knowing that the consequences are inconsequential or insignificant, but you're building your muscle you're, so that when it matters, you go like, it's not exhausting. And your comfort zone is where you go back to restore yourself so you can back in, go back into the discomfort zone, which is where all the good stuff is happening, right? Yeah. And all, all you're challenging yourself. That's a fulfilling life when, when, when you do push yourself and, but don't overload yourself. Like I, I sometimes I'd say I got to start to meet people. So I go to a party with 30 people that I don't know. I'd meet nobody, right? <laughs> because I couldn't walk up to a person and introduce myself, which is ridiculous on the, I, as I reflect on it. But I, I couldn't open my mouth. I couldn't. So if somebody didn't come up to me, I wasn't going to meet anybody. Oh, right. Wow. Um, so uh, now I'll, I'll walk up. To anybody i i just did it yesterday in a restaurant uh and uh because i was wearing this you know it was a christmasy event and i had this sequined coat on and everybody was going that's like a wild coat and then these these this family came in and and the daughters were all blinged up in their outfit so i went over and i said you know uh my people said I should be sitting with you because I have the right jacket for this crowd. And they were like, Oh yes. And we love that jacket. We got to take a picture with us. Right. And so 
we end up talking. They end up coming over. They had a baby. They bring their baby over to our table to show off their infant and stuff like that. All because I was crazy enough to just walk over to their table. And you know what? I didn't die of embarrassment. And they actually were really, they were really pleased. And you know what? Every other man, every other man in that room was staring at you with envy. Yeah. Going, I wish I had the balls to do it. Yeah. Or what a show off. But which is, which is the disguise of envy. Sure. I, I, uh, right. You know, they, the, by having a way to dismiss me and my behavior, they don't get to feel their jealousy, right? They mm. get to dismiss that. And that, and that's a, that's a really big thing. We get really good at that when we go by, by defining the bold person as, you know, something negative, we don't have to feel because what we want to be is that person. Yes. Right. You know, so that's uh, that's an interesting point. Our brains, we end up taking something because we feel embarrassed or ashamed of ourselves internally. And instead of saying that guy's cool, killing it and, and wow, I wish I was that we, we somehow rationalize. Oh, what a show off. What a what an arrogant prick. What a whatever. Yeah. Whatever we want to call yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we go, oh, that's why we're not doing that, because we don't want to be the arrogant prick. Yeah. Um, and, and this is part of it is I want my nephew to see that and see me do that. And then I want to say, I was you, I, you know, the way you feel right now, that's how I felt at your age. You, you don't have to continue this way, right? At some point you'll get frustrated enough that you won't, because that's all I did. I just missed some great opportunities. I missed some great relationships, great jobs. And I just went, and fun. I just missed adventures. I, I, I didn't engage in the fun because it's like, oh, well, people might look at me. People might laugh at me uh, or I might be embarrassed. I might not. You know, that's that's where the perfectionist mindset comes from. I have to be perfect before I can go out into the world, which is impossible, first of all, and not necessary. Both sure. people go, I think I'm half good at that. I should try that. Right. And they fail miserably, but that doesn't bother them because they just gather all the information from the failure and and go come back out again. And they're a little better at it. So this reminds me, I think you talk about this in the book, too, that story you just told. You say the bold person will go up to the supermodel and ask her to dance. Right. Yeah. The bold person will go and put themselves out there and and, what? Okay, what's the worst that happens? Yeah. What's the worst? The right? worst that happens is is what will happen for sure if you don't do anything. You, you will <laughs> not meet that person, right? That's that's the equation we're not playing in our head. It's like I am guaranteeing failure by not acting, right? Yep. Whereas the bold person goes, uh, uh, I, "I'm going to ask her to dance, or I'm going to walk up and just start talking to her." Uh, and uh, what? And this is a classic example of everybody goes, "Oh, she's unapproachable." It's like. No, everybody thinks she's unapproachable, so nobody approaches her. So when somebody finally approaches her, she's relieved that somebody's talking right. to her. And right, and then all of a sudden that, she's you know. there dancing and laughing with the guy. And again, everyone else is envious. Yeah, yeah. And like, oh yeah, he's got so much game. It's like, yeah, you can have game, right? You can, I think what it you is can have for, game everywhere. So. I think what it is, yeah. I mean. I, for for people is while the result might be the same if i don't go up to her i'm still sitting here and if i do go up to her and get turned down i'm still sitting here okay we have the same result but the emotional impact 
is so much different for most people if they do have to get denied, right? And I think the fear, going back to this, the fear and, and the uncertainty and the feeling of, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to feel small by making a move and then being told, no, thanks. I'd rather just stay here and not have yeah, to feel that. And play it and, and, and play it safe. And actually what eventually happens, and that's part of what these exercises do, is you get the, the, the satisfaction from trying. Yes. And that might be uh, that might be those girls that you were uh, taking pictures with the other night. They're calling you now. See? Yeah. See how this works? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm at somebody else's house and I, forgot <laughs> I had the phone. I got my phone off and everything. And it's a landline. It's so confusing. A landline. I'm freaked out. Right. <laughs> but it is. It goes back to the fear piece. Correct. Yeah. I, I, and so the, the, the fear holds it back. But. Once you once you embrace that and go, yes, I'm afraid and I'm going to try. But the exercises, many of them are designed to to aim to failure. It's like smile at at every person you meet until somebody doesn't smile back. Mm. Right. And then don't take it on. Right. Just don't don't go. Oh, there must be something wrong with me. You have no idea what headspace that person is in. Right. They, this could be the worst day of their life, right? They could have just gotten served with divorce papers or they could have just gotten fired, right? You don't stop interpreting it as something wrong with you because it, you don't know. So why, why, but this is what bold people do. It's like, I'm not, I don't need to construct this fantasy about what's wrong with me, right? right? It doesn't matter. We're all, it doesn't matter to them. We're all, we're all flawed human beings, right? And, and so what happens is, the, the bold person goes, sees the supermodel, for example, or it could be the, the very successful businesswoman that, that somebody wants to meet and everybody else in the room is going, oh, she's she, you know, she created Spanx, whatever. I can't talk to her. I can't talk to Sarah. She's she's a superpower of, of business. You know, she's a world beater. I can't talk to her. And the bold person says she's a human being just like me. Yeah, I'm going to talk so to good. her. That's so true. Spot on. Talk yeah. to us about this, um, this pride method that you, that you help people with in the book. So the, what I did is I broke down how you can overcome that, the, the discomfort enough to act. And, and part of it is uh, it's the pride method is an acronym for preparation, relaxing, insight, dosage, and everyday action. And I've talked about some of them a little bit, but some of preparation is just, if you're going to walk up to somebody, think about what you're going to say ahead of time, but, you know, say it in your head, go in the bathroom and say it out loud, you know, whatever it is, uh, or you're just going to introduce yourself to the person uh, in front of you in the Starbucks line or whatever, and just say, I'm going to compliment their, their purple hair. Cause you know, because I think it's weird, but instead of saying, wow, your hair is really weird, I'm going to say, wow, that hair looks really great on you. And you know what? You make their day, right? Guess you start to be that voice of upliftment going through the world by just preparing. Like, what's, what's the, how can I make that person feel better about themselves? It's a phenomenal exercise to go through. And you, and you start to feel like Santa Claus after a while with just random drive-by compliments and stuff like that. But 
you got to prepare yourself. If you're if you're applying for a job, you would prepare yourself. You would you should prepare yourself. You would look at the website of the business. You would read the biographies of the owners, and then you would prepare what some things you're going to say about yourself in the interview. It's the same thing when you're meeting people. Like if I see, uh, you know, I've done this with successful actors that I really want to meet, and instead of going, I really love your work, man. You know, it's like, I, you know, can you sign my, my, my hand or my book or my, you know, my, this napkin or whatever? Can we take a selfie? It's like, because the selfie is the ultimate pretense that you actually know the person, right? When you do that. Yeah. Instead, I want to have a conversation. I did this with Tom Hanks. I saw him years ago. He was sitting there with his wife waiting to pick up some food. And I just went over and, and I said, you know, excuse me, Mr. Hanks, I just wanted to tell you how much I'm enjoying From the Earth to the Moon, that that series that he produced on HBO. I said, I'm, I, I'm just, uh, you know, fascinated by it and, and really enjoying it. And he and he, you know, he said, thank you so much for telling me. He says it's such a it's such a labor of love for me. I'm really excited to hear that that people are are enjoying it as much as I hope they would. He didn't oh, say right. get out of my face, sure. right? Because I behaved like a normal. He was a normal human being who had achieved something. I wanted to let him know. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't need anything from him. I wanted to give him something, which was and and when you do that, it changes the whole dynamic. Now I probably could have said, "Can we take a picture together?" We would go, "Heck yeah, let's do it!" Right? But so where would that have fallen? Where would that example, uh, Fred, fall in the pride scale? Would, would that be under P or a different letter? What you're, that example uh, was so, you with Tom Hanks. So I, I prepared what I was going to say. Um, I relaxed myself, but which is the other thing is you got to figure out how to relax yourself. And I teach you how to do a combination of adjusting your physiology. Because if you tense up, we do weird things with our body. We fold our arms. We hunch our shoulders. We, we stop breathing, right? We do all these crazy things uh, that, that make us look nervous and, and make us feel nervous. So just like if you just loosen yourself up and breathe, take, you know, like before I go on stage, I'll take three or four really deep breaths, you know, if it's a big audience and it's just like, it settles me down. And once you, once you feel yourself relaxing, you go, oh, I can relax myself. Just like, when you get anxious and you notice you're anxious, it makes you more anxious. Or if worse, somebody says, why are you so nervous? It's like, oh, no, I look nervous. That's even worse. Right. So now you get more nervous <laughs> when you start to control yourself and relax yourself. You go like, oh, wow, I can actually do this. And what happens is your your spontaneity comes up, your creativity comes up because when we're anxious, our cognitive skills are impaired. Our memory's impaired. It's like the best people in the world as, as you know, let's say on concert piano, if they're anxious, they walk up and, and they can't, they make a hundred mistakes in a piece that they've played a thousand times mm. because the brain changes with anxiety. You want to, so the exercises are about building that up so that you figure out Oh, I can relax myself, and when I do, I perform. So and then prepared? the insights we talked we talked about, you know, the the, the third step. Um, so you prepared your what yourself you're going to say, and these things all work together. The preparation, relaxing is actually a type of preparation in some ways. Preparation is a lot of what you're going to say. Relaxing is to get your 
physical state in the right place. Insight is to get your mindset in the right place, which is what we talked about. Nothing bad happens 99% of the time unless you label it as bad. And people aren't thinking about you anywhere near as much as you think they are. And then dosage is don't make it some crazy intense experience that you've never done before. Work your way up. And finally, the E is everyday action. Work on your boldness every day. You want, to work, you want to achieve anything, work at it for some time every day. Do a bold move. Most of them are, you know, can be harmless. It can be any exercise. But push your, you know, go a little bit into your discomfort zone and you'll go further and further into it all the time. And you'll just start to, you'll create the neural pathways, but you'll get the rewards. You'll go like, wow, that person was really happy that I complimented them. Or, you know, Tom Hanks actually appreciated something I had to say to him. I, I don't need a selfie. I got that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and that so. builds on it, too, because when you get an experience like that, you want to have it again. You want to build on that. You want to build on that yeah. moment that you have with Tom Hanks and say, oh, wow, I can do this again to a different stranger the next time this happens. If I can go up to Tom Hanks and have a nice little dialogue, I can go up to that CEO. I can go up to the boss. I can go up to whoever it is that I'm afraid to go up to and have this experience in a, in a boost of self-confidence. It's yeah. like a dopamine. And, and, yeah. And I, and I think what happened to people, the people we see that we think are naturally bold is they, they were controlling the, uh, it, it, without planning to, they were controlling the dosage of the experience. So they were getting the reward. So that became how they approached everything. Right. They, they go, like, oh, yeah, I, th- I know what the reward is. I'm going to I'm going to push myself a little bit. I'm going to challenge myself. And nine times out of 10, I'm going to get some sort of win out of it. And, th- and then the, the loss is meaningless to them. Sure, if, if it's sure. like cause they go, oh, yeah, well, I, if they say no to me, they would have said that anyway. It's like I even have like little exercises. Like if you see a sign that says employees only go in. Right. Because. Nothing bad will happen. No one's going to beat you to death on the other side of the room. Most of the time, they're not going to say anything because you went through. The sign is the only thing keeping you out, right? Right. Nobody's in there. There's no employee police sitting inside there. And you're doing it just because your your brain is going, you can't go in there. There's a sign that says employees only. You're not an employee. And you go in and you go, oh, okay. It's not that interesting in here. (laughs) And But you know, but, and you, and you get to examine, like, why did I have so much of that anxiety about walking through this door? And it's all stuff you've told yourself. And now you start to do stuff like that. And you go, I, I'm, I'm not going to let somebody else be the one. Uh, I'm going to wait till somebody stops me. I'm never going to be the one that said, tells me no. Yeah. And that's, that's like one of the greatest insights is don't be the one who stops you. And we are the one who stops us way more than anybody else. All you got to do is look in the mirror and see who your biggest competitor is every day in life. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, how does somebody like you play chess with uh, Richard Branson? Well, I was, I was on Necker Island uh, with a bunch of business people. We had rented the island uh, and, uh, and he was there. Sometimes he hangs around with the people there. And uh, I ruptured my Achilles tendon playing tennis. And, and he, he saw me, saw it happening and I was kind of stuck, right? Just sitting there on the island because uh, my surgeon said, it's not going to heal. Don't worry. You don't have to give up your vacation. Just stay there and 
come home and we'll fix it. Um, and he, he just came up to me and he said, oh, that, that's such a bother that this has happened to you. Do you play chess? Now, shy Fred would have gone, oh, I haven't played chess in 15 years, right? And I, so I don't want to get beaten by him and embarrass myself. But I, instead I went, oh, yeah, I play chess. And, wow. uh, and, he, and he just he went, he said to somebody, get a chessboard because I was trapped on this couch. I couldn't move, right? And he sits down next to me. They bring a chessboard. We play. I play such an unconventional game because I was never professionally trained in chess that I beat him the first game. And so he's like, he calls me a nasty name, right? And he immediately sets the board up to play the next game. <laughs> and then the rest of the week, and then we just started. And I, but I, again, I treated him like a human being. I wasn't like, oh, this is what people do to people like Branson. It's like they interview him. Oh, could, or, or they ask for money or they ask for advice or something like that. It's like, I'm starting this business and I do this and that, or, you know, where could I get the money for this? Or what? Or, do you or they want a lifetime of free, uh, free flights around the world. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. That, and he just like, he just wants to have fun. It's like, so he and I, we got into talking politics. We found we were really aligned about a, a whole bunch of things. And we went and he's has a great playful sense of humor. So it was, I just treated him like a regular person and he loved it. And, and for the rest of the week, he would say, come sit with me. Like we'd be at a table with all 30 people. He'd say, sit across from me. Right. And people were going, you know, you're, you're, you're uh, monopolizing Branson. I went like, no, he's asking me to sit down. Right. So I was like, what am I going to say? No, no, I want, I want other people to talk to you. I think the um, big thing that you said there too, Fred, the, the big, biggest takeaway from that interaction is when he first came up to you, you had an opportunity to you had an opportunity to blow the opportunity. And that's what a lot of people would have done. They would have said, no, you know, they would have been shy. Oh, they, they would have wanted to talk to him, but not 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 necessarily take him on in a chess game. Even if even if you didn't know how to play well, you're like, hell, yeah, I play. This is an opportunity to network with one of the most successful people alive. Yeah, I play. Yeah. Yeah, that was and just and just do a, a regular thing, right? D just play a game of chess, right? And guess what? You're gonna lose. Like I know a lot of people that don't want to play chess with anybody who's gonna beat them, right? Because it's like, guess what? A computer can beat you, right? So exactly. why why how why why do you think you're a chess master? Chess masters lose all the time, you yeah. know. That's so uh, that's great. You're not that's, gonna embarrass yourself by losing. That's a great story. And a lot of yeah. lessons to be taken from that. Finally, before we finish it up, uh, I see that you were a, a question or an answer or something on Jeopardy. Talk to us about that. How does, what is that about? Yeah, that, that's just because my company was 1-800-DENTIST uh, that I ran. I started it with a friend of mine and ran it for almost 30 years and eventually sold it. But, you know, that's, I was in the TV commercials for many years. Um, and so out of nowhere, Jeopardy has this category of 800 numbers, right? Is one of the categories that, that people get that, you know, they get the answer to. So it just, they decided because, because we spent half a billion dollars advertising that phone number. Half over, a billion with a B? That, with a B? With a B, yeah. Over, over the course of, of 25 years, right? So it was, it was extremely well known as a phone number you know, like 800 flowers or 800 mattress or whatever. So, and I was always in the commercials. And so the, the answer was 
Fred Joyle shines his pearly whites in this 800 commercial. No right? kidding. Wow. Yeah. Um, and and I'd, I had no idea. They didn't like it wasn't like a product placement or anything like that. A friend of mine just saw it. And he went. He took a, did a to picture with his phone and he goes, dude, you're on Jeopardy, right? So um, it, that was just a, 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 a strange sort of. Uh, that is unbelievable. Did somebody claim get the, the fame? Was were, were one of the contestants? Uh, they, got it. they didn't get it. They didn't, they didn't they get it. So great if they, they didn't get it. Oh, so, wow. Like, wow. Yeah. Hey, this is fascinating. And um, obviously you have uh, created a brand for yourself and, and you're helping out people. We will link you up in the show notes, but you know, where do you want people to find you online? So my website, fredjoyle.com, J-O-Y-A-L, no dots, dashes, nothing like that. Uh, you can download the first chapter of the book. Uh, you can even request like a, a half hour uh, discussion. If you're, if you're like, I'm so shy, I can't get out of the house or, or like I got a big thing coming up and I got to figure out how to be confident for it. I'll, I'll talk you through it. I'll get you out of the house and then I'll get you on, on track for your exercises. Um, I, you know, I'm happy to do keynotes for businesses, um, which is also where you can track me down. Uh, and the book is available on Amazon and, uh, you know, it's in Kindle, it's in Audible. It's me reading it and uh, and it's in hardcover. And if you do the digital version, you can download the exercises from my website. So you'll have a physical copy of the exercises. So that's how, that's how to get to me. And actually, I, I had a, an amazing milestone today. I hit uh, number four on the Wall Street Journal top 10 ebooks in nonfiction. No kidding. So, yeah. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, I had I did some great promotion last week. Yeah, and but but yeah, like it I, it blew my mind that I hit that. So we'll see You're how number long four I can hold today. that. You're number four in the Wall Street Journal today uh, in nonfiction. Yeah, ebook in, in nonfiction ebooks. Yeah, and they, they measured hardcover and ebooks separately. And I'm I'm kicking ass in the digital side. So well, that's fantastic, and you're kicking ass in life. So hey, we will link you up in the show notes, Fred. Thanks again, and uh, have a Super Bowl 2022, my friend. Thank you. I really appreciate the time. And I uh, hope everybody out there has a bolder 2022. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Optimal Life Podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you're listening. And you could also leave a review. Apple Podcasts, of course. You could leave reviews and ratings. Spotify, you could leave reviews and ratings. And several and many other podcast apps, wherever you may be listening, Please tell a friend, tell a family member, let them know about the podcast, and we will see you next time.